And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena, and happy Scorching Monday. <laughs> Can't win. <laughs> Can't win. Yeah. It's a good weekend, though. I mean, you know, no rain. Well, we had a short bout, which we'll yeah. get on to in a little bit. It w- <laughs> <laughs> You're right, because um, I mean, as we did mention on the program, right, we would get sporadic showers, although we're out of the woods when it comes to monsoon season. And we did get that like a concentrated amount over the weekend. Let's get to, yeah, the weather coverage. It's one of the biggest stories from the weekend. This is our first pick of the day. Heat wave. A heat wave that hit the country after the end of a rainy season and related casualties are rising. It turns out a senior citizen working out in the fields were especially vulnerable. What's the latest? Yeah, so we are at that time of year when, uh, unfortunately, the heat does get a bit too much for uh, especially vulnerable people, as right. you've mentioned, these farmers and elderly population. Uh, and then people have been collapsing and uh, unfortunately losing their lives as well in some cases uh, while farming under the hot sun or it basically enjoying activities near uh, the sea and rivers as well as they try to cool off. Uh, according to health authorities, the number of deaths from scorching temperatures surged to more than a dozen over the weekends. There are also uh, 178 cases of heat-related illnesses over the past three days from the uh, 26th to the 28th. Now, as the heat wave continues, officials fear the death toll uh, could rise uh, because we're probably going to be uh, in store for even more hotter conditions hmm. uh, next month as well. August usually is the time of year in the summer um, when the heat is at its uh, peak in most cases. Now, other heat-related uh, accidents and deaths include uh, people actually drowning while swimming in rivers and uh, in the sea as well as they try to cool off so not directly from the heat itself but Mm. due to activities to try and um, cool off from the heat and also that's causing concern is excessive use of air conditioners which is causing some power outages uh, due to uh, overloads in Seoul power was cut off for two hours in an apartment complex uh, in Tobong district for example that left two residents trapped in an elevator because of course there was no power uh, at this rate, the number of heat-related deaths this summer is expected to increase at least to uh, 15, and it has done so far already. Uh, now, the weather agency here predicts that the hot weather will continue in the range of 33 to 35 degrees Celsius for the foreseeable future. Uh, people are being advised to stay hydrated and avoid outdoor activities, especially between the hours of 2 p.m. and 5 p.m. There's this kind of misconception Mm. that a lot of people think that it's hottest maybe around noon and 1 p.m., but Mm. it's actually around that 3 to 4 p.m. mark that uh, is usually the hottest Mm. um, time of the day. Now, if symptoms of heat-related illnesses like dizziness, uh, headaches, uh, nausea occur, it's crucial to stop activity immediately and rest in a cool place. Alcohol and caffeine consumption should be limited as well as they can cause dehydration and raise body temperature. Uh, Amid the heat wave, however, sudden and heavy rain, almost 80 millimeters Mm. per hour, poured down on some areas in the capital yesterday. Uh, The heavy rain caused the temporary suspension uh, of subway line one. Uh, Mm. Also, several low-lying roads were closed as well. But that was just a 
a small bout of uh, heavy right. uh, rain, but it did cause some disruptions in travel nonetheless. All right. So let this be all a cautionary tale so we can have a safe summer. Uh, be advised to stay indoors during those, those hottest hours of the day, as I mentioned, between 2 and 5, and stay hydrated, folks. Um, I am inclined to reach for an ice Americano, but that that dehydrates us, apparently, right? <laughs> right. All right. So be advised. And turning to our economy section, uh, top economic times and clearly the numbers reflected this is our second key word of the day delinquency rises so the domestic bank loan delinquency rate has surged to its highest level in three years despite a growing number of borrowers unable to repay their debts on time the size of household loans continues to increase so can you tell us more yeah, it's pretty concerning, actually, at the moment, because right. uh, a lot of people aren't able to pay off their loans. But the amount of loans, as you said, is increasing uh, at the same time. Now, the delinquency rate for loans has increased for two consecutive months. By the end of May, the bank loan delinquency rate uh, reached 0.4, rising by 0.03 percentage points from the previous month. This is the highest rate in three years since May 2020, when it was 0.42%. Uh, both households and businesses are experiencing an overall rise in delinquency rates. So it's not just down to individuals, but businesses are also struggling. Experts mm. say that due to the prolonged high interest rate situation, borrowers feel um, burdened when repaying both principal and interest. Uh, the economy is gradually heading toward a downturn and the income and corporate profits necessary to repay the principal and interest uh, haven't increased sufficiently. Um, despite the difficulties in debt repayment, there's an upward trend in household loans, as you said. This month alone, the outstanding balance of household loans in the five major banks has already increased by over 300 billion won, while unsecured loans have decreased by over 400 billion won. Mortgage loans have driven the overall upward trend. Mm reaching nearly one trillion one. Looking at the entire financial sector, household loans have been increasing since April. This could be due to people uh, eagerly buying housing uh, houses, expecting a rise in real estate prices because right. they have kind of um, significantly uh, dropped. And so they're kind of anticipating a kind of a rebound. And there's also uh, a lot of loan conditions that's been relaxed uh, as, since the UN administration took office. Now, while financial authorities are concerned about the increasing household debt, they believe it hasn't yet reached a level that poses a significant threat to asset quality. Now, mm. asset quality refers to the overall risk attached to various assets held by an individual um, or institution. Now, considering that pre-pandemic delinquency rates exceeded 0.5%. The current situation is considered to be at a reasonable level. Uh, experts are more concerned about the growing debt burden leading to reduced consumer spending and potential economic contraction rather than a major deterioration in asset quality. So mm. the numbers do seem daunting. But uh, as I said, experts, or some experts anyway, I uh, don't think it's too much of a threat at the moment. All right. With that, we move on to our third keyword of the day. Reproachment. Isn't that rapprochement? It's, it's a French word, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, 
<laughs> I think it's uh, me being British and uh, just slaughtering the French accent. <laughs> <laughs> Take your pick. But the important uh, takeaway is probably the story anyway. U.S. President Joe Biden has mentioned a fundamental change in Korean-Japan relations ahead of an upcoming trilateral summit. He says it's one of the key diplomatic achievements since his administration took office. What else did President Biden have to say? Right. Well, he was uh, speaking to supporters at a fundraising event in Freeport, Maine, and he said he's hosting a what he called a small event next week at Camp David that will bring together the leaders of Japan uh, and South Korea. He emphasized the fundamental change, as he put it, that occurred as both countries reconciled their relationship since World War II. Now, the small events mentioned by uh, Biden, of course, refers to the trilateral summit mm-hmm. uh, with Korea, the US, Japan. I don't think Korea or Japan might see it as a small event. Uh, maybe he was just um, being a little bit sarcastic. Now, mm-hmm. it's actually, though, scheduled to take place at Camp David on the 18th of next month. So it appears Biden has made yet another verbal slip, uh, which is he, he does have a tendency to do on occasion. Mm-hmm. And now, previously, during a visit to Los Angeles last month, Biden touted that his government tried hard to pull Japan in, into reconciliation, uh, the reconciliation process, and changed uh, Japan's attitude toward Korea. Uh, now, during the Freeport event, Biden also cited Korean semiconductor companies' investments in the U.S. as one of the current administration's uh, economic achievements. He mentioned that when he visited Korea last year, uh, he persuaded them to invest in the U.S. and they were already investing um, $100 billion. So in this particular uh, outing by Biden, it appears that he's been touting his administration's uh, achievements in the reconciliation between Korea and Japan. Uh, Whether Korea and Japan might see it the same way is another question. Mm. Uh, I think the UN administration might have a word to say on that matter as well, as well as the Tokyo government. But um, yes, uh, this small event, as Biden put it, is certainly Mm. uh, going to be a big one uh, Mm. for Korean and Japan uh, governments. And uh, we'll have to see what comes out of that trilateral summit when it happens next month, not next week. Could that wording itself, small event, be, I don't know, some sort of signal of humility or maybe (laughs) managing expectations? (laughs) It could be interpreted in so many different ways. Yeah, when it comes to Joe Biden, I think there's a a little bit of a need to take it with a bit of grain of salt because, as I said, he does have a bit of a a verbal slip every now and again when making official comments. So the White House usually does have to correct him and clarify and make some corrections afterwards. But yes, the White House has confirmed that it is the 18th of next month. So we still have a ways to go, a few weeks at least. All right. When it comes to Seoul-Tokyo relations, there are fundamental differences that has been in the works for years and there has been no middle ground. But is there a change in tone? One thing we may notice is that Japan is also not a monolithic country. This is our fourth keyword of the day. Japan apology. So according to a recent survey, about half of the Japanese people think that Prime Minister Fumio Kishida should mention Japan's past aggression and express remorse on Korea's Liberation Day. Can you tell us the details? Yeah, so Liberation Day falls on uh, August 15th, and it's also the day uh, which uh, Japan remembers as the day that Japan surrendered in World War II. Now, according to a Tokyo Shimbun report, the survey was conducted through mail by Japan's a public opinion research center from July 13th to the 24th. It targeted Japanese voters and asked their views on peace. Now, out of 
1,758 respondents, 49% believe that Kashida should address Japan's aggression and express remorse during this year's memorial ceremony for Japan's surrender in World War II. On the other hand, um, 46% believe that there is no need to mention it. Uh, the survey pointed out that former Prime Minister Tomiichi Moriyama had acknowledged Japan's past aggressive actions and apologized during a previous memorial ceremony uh, back in 1995. Uh, mm. However, since 2013, former Prime Ministers uh, Shinzo Abe, Yoshihide Suga and the current PM have not done so. Uh, the survey questioned whether such a mention is necessary. Um, and regarding the possibility of Japan engaging in war, 50% of respondents said there was none. 49% there was some. Uh, this shows that opinions on this matter are somewhat divided. Uh, three years ago, only 32% of respondents believe that Japan might engage in war. But since then, this belief has steadily increased. Uh, concerning the possibility of Japan becoming the target of a nuclear attack, 74% of respondents said there was some much higher than the 25% who said none. Um, regarding the three non-nuclear principles which prohibit the pos uh, possession, production and introduction of nu uh, nuclear weapons, 80% uh, of respondents believe that Japan should adhere to them. Only 19% believed otherwise. And also when asked about what Japan needs to do to remain a pacifist nation, 32% of respondents mm -hmm. chose focus on diplomatic efforts for peace, which uh, ranked first. This was followed by 28% who believe the country should maintain um, its pacifist constitution. So the majority believes that that pacifist constitution should remain uh, in place and that um, mm. whole question of whether Japan needs its own uh, forces uh, is, uh, kind of seems to be, in the Japanese public anyway, not that necessary. Okay, but I mean, even those changes in the stats maybe reveals the changing and vulnerable geopolitical situations. We'll have to wait and see what this means. Maybe when uh, the two leaders of the country meet at Camp David. Let's turn our attention to our final keyword of the day. COVID rebound. So the spread of COVID-19 is getting worse, especially during summer vacation season. We're traveling more. We're seeing more people. It's crowded anywhere and everywhere you go. I went to the movie theaters yesterday. <laughs> I cannot feel the AC because there are just too many people. <laughs> what, what movie were you watching? I, I'm guessing it's the latest by uh, mm. the Mission Impossible movie. No, no? Barbie. What is <laughs> happening? <laughs> Barbie? Wow, okay. It's, oh, it's, a, it's a big moment for Greta Gerwig. <laughs> Anyhow, okay. people are traveling more near and far, and with a lot of move-in comes these high numbers. So the number of daily cases has reached almost 40,000, raising concerns about a new wave of infections, similar to what happened last winter, but we're not reintroducing some of the stricted restrictions. So let's get a closer look at the latest. Right, so uh, next month there are plans to lower the COVID-19 risk level and ease some restrictions. However, experts do suggest that we need to focus more on protecting vulnerable groups. Uh, if we look at the data, the third week of July, mm -hmm. there were uh, just under 254,000 new cases. Uh, that's a 35.8% increase compared to the previous week. This makes it the fourth consecutive week of rising cases. On the 19th, there were just over 47,000 new cases, the highest in over six months. Now, if the current trend continues, we might soon see daily cases reach 50,000. And experts believe that the increase in cases is due to relaxed measures and the emergence of new variants that weaken immunity. 
the current dominant variant, which is XBB1.5, is particularly good at evading immunity, hence why um, it's leading to more infections, especially with the relaxed rules as well. Uh, and there could also be more hidden infections because people are getting fewer COVID-19 tests. They estimate that around 10 to 15 percent of the population might get infected in this wave, which is comparable to or slightly smaller than last year's winter surge. They're worried that if the situation persists and indoor activities increase during colder weather, we might see a rapid uh. Inc- uh, increase in cases. Uh, there's also a growing concern about protecting high risk groups, especially because there's more infections reported among the elderly, something that we've seen before as well. Um, and experts think the government's messages might be causing uh, people to be less cautious, like what happened during the Omicron surge, downplaying the risk of them. There's always been this kind of kind of conflict between the government and these uh, health experts. Mm. Experts uh, kind of ear towards the side of caution and being more careful. The government wants to return to normal as quickly as possible. Mm. And so there's been a bit of a contradiction there. And these experts stress the importance of government persuasion and communication with the public to encourage more people uh, to get vaccinated as well, especially mm. when uh, it gets colder. That's right. I mean, immunity wanes over time, if even if you've been infected. So if you are part of that vulnerable group, you're encouraged to get those shots anyway. Uh, thank you so much, Adam, for today's coverage. Um, it was nice to be accompanied by you and a cicada in the background, if I'm not mistaken. I do apologize, but uh, there's not much I can do about that. The windows are closed, but they are particularly loud today for some reason. It is their swan song. Let them yeah. sing. Thank you so much, Adam, for today's coverage. I'll see you tomorrow. You're very welcome. Stay cool. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.